0: Destiny City Destiny City Destiny City Destiny City Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny.
1: Okay, it is so exciting to be here this morning in Salisbury, North Carolina, where Jesus is Lord and you have some exciting things going on. This is a wonderful time to be here and for you to be in this church. Amen. Let's give the Lord an applause offering. <laughs> It's an exciting time to be in Mexico, too, and I feel like a kid when I'm there. I really do. But I'm realizing I am not a kid. <laughs> but I'm going to keep going. And, you know, Celeste came down a little over a year ago, and her father had just passed away. And I think she was in a mourning process and everything, too, and, and rather timid. Uh, she was alongside me praying for the people, but she wouldn't even talk in the churches. But you know what? The Lord's done a big work in her. Uh, she went to Nepal and India last December, and, and uh, she came back a different person. God worked in her. So I'm going to let her tell a little bit about her, her experience there, and then I'll tell more about what she's doing in Mexico. Okay? Let's give her an applause.
0: Thank you. Well, my uh, journey started a year ago when I was at the Evangel International Convention. At the end of the convention, they have people to pray over you. And this guy prayed over me, prophesied. He said, I see you flying out to the nations. You're not just going to be a missionary in Mexico. He said, get your traveling boots on. (laughs) I said, get ready. Get your traveling boots on. So I went home. I didn't think any more about it. And a missionary pastor friend called me that I'd met about two years before. I met him at a Bible study. He said, hey, I'm in the area, meet me for lunch, I want to hear about Mexico missions. So I said, sure. And we talked about missions, and before I left, he invited me to go to Nepal and India. I really wanted to go, but the trip was about a month away. I knew I didn't have financing to go. So uh, after I got home, I prayed, and I... I could not get my spirit to settle down until I said I would go on the mission trip. So I called him and told him yes, and I started raising the funds. The first donation I got was a check for $1,000. So that was my miracle. I knew that was a miracle. (laughs) So um, I met the team in Illinois, and we flew out of Chicago. It was um, Pastor Peters, Pastor Doris, and Megan. Megan was only twi- she's only twenty one. She'd never been on a mission trip or on a plane, so this was an adventure for her. <laughs> so we flew for three days before we arrived in Nepal. I lost track of what day it was. It was supposed to be Thanksgiving, but they're a day ahead, so. We skipped a day. (laughs) We drove out to a village. It was 12 hours out. And the village was next to a jungle. And after we arrived there, the pastor said, we're going to break up in teams. Each one of you, uh, you're going to give the uh, message on Saturday. Saturday's their worship day. So we said, okay. And they sent a pastor that I had to walk to the church with because it was unsafe for a blonde woman to walk alone (laughs) in Nepal. (laughs) So we walked to this house. It was three stories tall. The church was on the third story. So we go in there. I'd never been in a church in Nepal. It was segregated. The men were on one side. The women were on the other. They don't sit in chairs. They sit on the floor. So, I gave the message very nervously, and at the end, the interpreter goes, Celeste, the women have their uh, missions after church, and the pastor wants you to do the missions today. So, so. (laughs) So, we talked for a minute, and then the pastor says, Celeste, the women want you to pray for their healing. I said, okay. So we prayed for over 20 women individually for different ailments. And then a couple of days later, we got word that over 20 women had been instantly healed. Praise God. So, word spread throughout the village about this healing. So, they wanted our team to come to the churches at night and minister. Then, we had our camp meeting all through the day. So, that Monday, we started our camp meeting, and it was a small church and it filled up. People were all the way to the stage. So we had to stand on the stage. We couldn't even walk out to pray for the people. We had to have them come up on the stage because it was so full you couldn't walk. They were so thirsty for the word, they were even out on the ground sitting trying to hear the word. They walked from all over the village or rode their bikes. Um, most people didn't have cars. Because they have a car tax of 240%. So nobody can hardly afford a car. So at, these, uh, at the camp meeting, the first thing the pastor did, he had the men stand up and the women and face each other. He made the men say a vow to these women. He made them promise the women that they would no longer beat them and treat them like dogs. The men promised the women that they would not force them to sell their children into sex trafficking. These women cried and they cried and they cried. It was just so oppressive. You could feel it lift after this. Even they had the men come over and pray over the women. So after this broke, the word could be preached. So we saw miracles. We saw deliverance. It was amazing. And then after that, we were going to fly out to India. Well, I received an email that my visa did not go through because there was a glitch in the Indian government system. So I had to stay behind in Kathmandu with a pastor downtown. He lived in a very nice three-story home with his family. And my team hugged me at the airport before they left, and they hugged me like they would never see me alive again. <laughs> I said, aren't you scared staying in a strange country with a strange family? But surprisingly, I had peace. I had to come out of my comfort zone, stretch my faith. And the pastor, Pastor G, he asked me to give the word at his church. I was afraid if I turned him down, I would offend him. I said, sure, Pastor. How many members do you have? He said, Uh, 300. And also have a Bible school where I uh, train other pastors. He's also very educated. He's a publisher. He takes Christian American books and he interprets them into Nepalese and prints them for his people. So he's very educated. So this made me nervous. I thought, wow, I'm going to have to come up with a different message for these very educated people. (laughs) So I started working on my message, and the Lord said, No, I want you to use your more personal, simple message that you gave out in the village. So I said, Okay. So that Sunday I went to his church. It was very nice. The Bible school was larger than the church, actually. And I gave the message, and about 30 people or more came forward for prayer and salvation. Praise God. So I learned a lesson there, to listen to the Lord. So the next day I checked my email, and it says, Your visa has been approved. I thought, Mission accomplished. <laughs> so now I had to fly in a country which was unsafe for a a lady to travel alone. But the pastor sent me a picture and contact information of another pastor that would meet me in rapport after my second flight. So after my first flight, I noticed my phone battery was going down with all my information in it. And my converter was packed in my luggage, so I couldn't charge my phone. So I asked this uh, lady with a British accent, I said, Do you have a converter I can borrow to charge my cell phone? She said, No, sorry. So I didn't want to wander around in a foreign airport asking people. So I just sat down and I prayed, Lord, please help my battery last until I meet this pastor. So about 15 minutes later, this man comes up to me. He had a straw hat on and a bright red shirt. He says, hey, I have a converter if you want to charge your cell phone. I said, sure. He had an Australian accent. He said, just get it back to me before your flight's called. I said, sure, great. So I charged my phone. My flight was called about an hour later. And I could not find this man anywhere. So I went over to the lady that had the British accent. I said, Hey, have you seen the man in the red shirt? I have his converter. What? I haven't seen a man in a red shirt. So she asked her friends. No, we haven't seen him. So I saw his hat laying down on the chair, and I put his converter there, and I left. And I thought, I don't know who that is, but the Lord took care of me. <laughs> so after my second flight, I go outside. And there's the pastor standing there with a sign that has my name, Celeste Love. He's standing there holding the sign. (laughs) So after that, it was like 11 o'clock at night. We went in this alleyway, really dingy, scary looking, waiting on a bus to pick us up. This bus rolled up. It had broken windows. I thought, we're going to ride in that thing. I got on there. There was beds above the seats, and people were just packed in there like sardines. And we had to ride seven and a half hours. So we rode seven and a half hours. Then we met another pastor in an SUV, and we rode through the jungle for four and a half hours before we arrived at the village. When I arrived, they had already started the pastor's convention. And there was like maybe 70 pastors that had come from all over India for this convention. And uh, they wanted me to be in charge of praying and videotaping and taking pictures. Since I arrived late. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I noticed the first day... I was taking pictures, and I felt this wind just swoosh in really fast, and then the Holy Spirit hit. People just started falling out on the floor, singing in heavenly languages. I had never heard anything like it. This went on for hours. I lost track of time. Uh, people were being delivered, and so I thought, hmm, I'm not taking pictures the next day. I want to experience this. So the next day, I put the video camera down, and I, I participated in the prayer, And, and uh, as I was praying, I felt the wind come in really fast, and then I saw these sparkling lights go by. And then it's like the lights just merged in the one, and it was like an explosion. And I saw three angels standing there. And they kept getting brighter and brighter. And they were very still, except for the wings were flapping. And then they got really bright and just kind of fused into one. And then I saw Jesus standing there in a white robe. And he had a, um, I guess, a shawl over his face. It was draped down into, over his face. And I could physically feel him holding my hand. And after that, I felt like a weight was lifted off of me. It was like I got delivered from religiosity. (laughs) I grew up in the Baptist church. (laughs) So I felt like I had freedom to worship after that. And I never experienced anything like it. And um, what was amazing... And these pastors said that when they were going through this, they were in the throne room. And they came up and they gave their testimonies. And it was just awesome to hear that. And then we heard later that the pastors were so on fire for the Lord after this convention that they were uh, going into more uh, unreached villages and starting churches. So it was like a domino effect. They just keep going and reaching out to more and more villages. And um, so after that was over, we went to um, Hyderabad. The pastor said, I want to drive you guys because it's too dangerous going through the jungle. You could be assaulted. He said, I think it's only a six and a half hour drive. So we all get in this SUV, all four of us, plus his whole family. It takes 12 and a half hours to get there, driving through this rough roads of the village. So we stay with a pastor, and he used to be an Indian movie star, so he has a really nice home for us, praise God. We even had warm water (laughs) and electricity. It was very nice. And uh, so, word got around that we were in town, and he, the pastors in town, would invite us over for dinner so that we could pray and minister to them because they were just so beat down. The persecution is so bad. I met two pastors that had been tortured and beaten for their faith, and they just had chunks of skin carved out of their legs and their arms. And my interpreter, he said his parents were beaten and tortured and their home was burnt down and they were run out of their village. And I heard that persecution is really picking up here lately. So we do need to pray for these people. And um, recently in Mexico, I started going to the drug rehabilitation centers. There's 133 rehabilitation centers in the city of Morelia. So I take my interpreter with me. He's also blessed with writing songs and playing the guitar. So he sings first, and it softens the people's hearts. And then I give the message. And usually about 15 to 20 people give their life to Christ and maybe 20 or more will rededicate their life to Christ. So we've seen really good results with this, and I'd like to continue it. Praise God. I give God all the glory. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
1: I don't know if mine will be as exciting as Celeste or not, because these were all wonderful experiences that she had, life-changing experiences. And she had a mother in Mexico praying for her the whole time, (laughs) that her life would be changed and God would deal with her and, and just... Empower her. And that's really what happened. Isn't that neat? Uh, it was, it's been wonderful. Well, I'm going to go a little bit faster than her and we'll give God the glory. You know, you're one of my supporting churches and, and God's doing marvelous things in Mexico. It gets better every year. Uh, this, uh, the four years ago when I fell and, and had this terrible accident and, and broke uh, my hip in three places, I went back on, took everything I had to take. You know, when you've gone to rehab, you've got to take all these little goody things like walkers and, and, uh, uh, your chair and all this. (laughs) And, and, you know, had one of the best years I've had. Everybody wanted to go with me and help me. They said, oh, poor sister Lynn can't walk or do anything. But, but, you know, and I sat in a wheelchair and prayed for the sick and we had so many miracles. I couldn't believe it. I mean, God is good. And cause I was thinking I've got to be whole before I can pray for these people. But that, that changed a lot of things. You know, we have these things that we think and, and God can change those in a minute. Well, you know, the book of Acts is still going on today. It's going on right here. It's going on in Mexico. We look at our world and we get all this news on the internet and on on the TV. And it looks like every, especially our country, we're all concerned for our country that started as a Christian nation. And people say now it's no longer Christian, but we are here. And we're God's saints and his servants, and we are praying. And there is power in prayer. Uh, I went into the throne room praying uh, one time about a year ago or so. It's been about two years ago. And when I was there, there was a beautiful, beautiful fountain. And I was asking God, what is this fountain? It is so beautiful. It's like it had diamonds and beautiful stones in it. And he said, these are the prayers of the saints coming up before me. Let's give the Lord an applause offering. Peter Wagner said once that only 5% of missionaries can get with the people to understand the way they think. They say I have, but I don't know if I've really arrived. Because I'm still Guninga, I'm still American, uh, especially outside. But I always say I have a Mexican heart. It, because I've been there 32 years, I love the people, uh, they're gracious and kind and loving, and, and I love to work with them. It's just just a real blessing uh, to work with them and see results. Uh, some of our strongholds are idolatry. Uh, they may worship up to 25 saints in their living room, get down on their knees and pray to each saint. And when they, they learn the Bible, see, we don't say a word against their religion, because it's not that. We just want to show them the truth through the word of God. And when they read the Bible and see that they can go straight to God through Jesus, he says he's the way and the only way. And, and once they see that, they, they're so happy and, and have such peace in their lives. And that's what I think I enjoy more than anything. We've been doing the children's project since 1989. And uh, it has grown and it's grown till I can't hardly do it. And let me just tell you real quickly, because I want you to pray with me and, and for that during this time that God do, does some kind of a miracle. Um, a lady in Pennsylvania just started through her Facebook and she started getting all these toys in, and which ha- they've been a real blessing for the last two or three years. When I was up there in April, she had, uh, 1800 toys. Mostly stuffed animals. And so it takes me weeks working with them. I have a team of ladies from Cleveland. They're all in their 80s, but they're great. They're marvelous. And they go through and inventory these toys. I just can't find anybody any younger. I, I need some men that can live down there in Athens where my house is. But anyway, God, God takes care of it. So here we are, uh, uh, already 1,800 toys. I've already taken maybe four or 500 down there. And Grover was going to take half. But he's not going to be able to do that. So, but I told the lady, um, Cindy, I'll call her. Cindy, uh, she said she was going to get more toys together. And I said, well, you need to, to plan and pray and ask God how to get them to Mexico because I just can't do it. Well, she's gotten 2,500 more. And I'd already told her, I'm not going to be able to take them. So she says, what day are you going to pick up the toys? I'm going to be up there, uh, the 15th. And she says, what day? I got that yesterday before we left. And I wrote her back and I I explained to her what I said to her. Well, here, here's, that's 4,000 toys and it cost. There is a big cost to get them down there. Okay, the last two years, we had pulled a U-Haul behind down to McAllen. Last year, I drove my van by myself with this double large U-Haul to get all those toys. We leave them in McAllen for a month. Then I have to drive from Central Mexico back up. It's 15 hours each way. That's 30 hours, and it costs about $500. Our gas is $4 a gallon. And, And all the different expenses of the trip, I have to take somebody to help me drive, and it goes on and on. Okay, so I made two trips up there because we had a tent and Bibles and all these other things. So here I'm thinking, can I do it this year? You know, I don't know if I can handle it. Um, (laughs) Here I'm driving this big van, a long van that used to be here in Salisbury. And then this large U-Haul behind. And finally, I got to the point where I said... This van back here coming behind is like the Holy Spirit. He's with me everywhere I go. And once I started thinking that way, I wasn't nervous about it. (laughs) But in the beginning, I was so nervous driving. I said, I don't know if I'm nervous because I just barely have enough money to get to Mexico and get all this down there. Or whether I'm nervous because I'm pulling this big van. But God gave me that peace. And uh, I'll even jump up to April of this year. Uh, May 1st of May I'm driving the van down well I'd had I had a lot of work done to it and they they had to get parts and it didn't get finished till the day before underneath all the suspension and tie rods and a whole lot of things I lost control of it it wouldn't go back on the highway uh somebody said it was uh in Espanol Caja de Velocidades the gearbox uh, something like that went wrong and I had this terrible wreck that just totaled the van I've still got a sore arm from it but uh God spared me. And so here I am. I'm calling the state trooper. And I just sent out some. I I sent you all one too. I just said, please pray for me. And I didn't say. I need money. I need anything. I just said, please pray. I'm on my way back to Mexico in southern Alabama, and I had this terrible wreck, and I've totaled it, I'm waiting on the state trooper, and it cost me $650 uh, for the wrecker, and it just went on. So I'm sitting there. I called in, in uh, Grover, you, some of you know Grover Hope, he uh, volunteered. He said, well, we've prayed, and we're going to come down, and I'm going to bring two men to help unload everything out of your van into mine. Well, it's five and a half hours or so, so they didn't get there till uh, 7 o'clock. And then we had the trip back. I could barely get up into his van. It's really high. And he said, Elaine, now see, I've been praying. Lord, what am I going to do? I've got all this stuff. I don't have a place. I don't have a car to drive. What am I going to do? I didn't feel desperate. I had a piece. So while I'm climbing up, I had to get down on my knees to climb up in there because i just been in this wreck. And, and Grover says, Elaine, uh, Phyllis and I have done prayed, And God told us to give you this van. I mean, seven hours later, and my faith hadn't been there. I can remember when, when I was just believing God, you know, for, well, you're talking about a miracle. And I was in a restaurant, and I reached down into the booth. This is years ago. I reached down into the booth, and I pulled up a $5 bill. And God said, that's where your faith is, because you're believing in yourself. Because I'd always made really good money in the States. And that was my big, the hardest thing was to take the faith in what Elaine can do into what God can do. And it grows. And it grows. So that was a good, good, uh, miracle right there that I had the van. The next day I got it, uh, registered and everything and took off again. And so it's been good. (laughs) God is good. Um, in March, I was in a women's conference, uh, Uh, Okay, the Children's Project, over the last three years, there's been more than a 1,000 children and adults, their families that have come to the Lord through the Children's Project. That's why I've continued it. And, I mean, I feel like it's growing out of hand because I need some help, and I don't have anybody to help me get all those down there. Okay, you say, well, why don't you send them by UPS? Okay, it's like $200 a box. We'll have 50 boxes. Uh, When they get there, I have to pay 40% of the value that's in that box in taxes to the government. So, I mean, you know, you look at all these different ways, and what we've been doing is the reason I've done all this driving these years. But God's good. In March, I was in a women's international conference, 2,000 women that they have every year in San Luis Potosí, and I'm scheduled for this next year. Uh to teach pastor's wives. And I'm going to do just a group of about 300 pastor's wives. And we're working on it right now. They have a lot of needs. Their needs are different. Uh, Some of them, their husbands beat them. Some of them, their husbands are mean. They're pastors, but they're mean to their wives. Some of them, not all, praise God. Uh, Some of them, they're just overworked. They have to do everything. They're almost like a slave. Uh, There's just a lot of hurts that pastor's wives have in Mexico. They have them here too, but they're probably of a different nature. And so we're going to work through those. God's going to show us how to do this uh, session to minister to them and pray for them that they'll be healed and be strong again. God's good, isn't he? Uh, I go over to Zihuatanejo where we've held several pastors uh Seminars, what do we call them in English? Conferences. And I go over every two months and we go up to, uh, we call it Cartel Mountain, just among ourselves. We don't say that in Mexico, but we have to give, <laughs> we can't say anything in Mexico and we can't talk about Trump. Uh, okay. So, because <laughs> they'd put him there with the cartel. <laughs> no, God's good. He is. <laughs> And we get permission. There's about 200 men that guard. That they, they have 95% of all of their uh, uh, cosecha. What's that in English? Uh, hmm. Well, it's drugs or whatever they grow there, their harvest. Let's say that. Are up there and they guard it. I've never seen it. We don't go that far up, but we have a mission up there. And some of them are their wives and their mothers and everything else. But they like for us to come up and minister to them because it makes them peaceful and and um, docile maybe. I don't know. But God's good <laughs> And I'm invited uh, in December to start a missions course in Sinai, which is uh, Pastor Victor's church. Uh, about 700 young people, and it's on Thursday night when everybody's there. So I'm working on that now to start with the book of Acts and just carry it. I have a lot of materials, and God will show me which way to go. But they're very interested in missions. Uh, this July we had uh, a uh, Judah one came down and we did medical clinics in three different villages. I love to do that. It's hard work. The days are long and hard. We uh, had a tire that got busted on the way and we were kind of in a desperate situation, but God took care of it and we got there. And, um, I, what I did was Celeste took their vitals and all that. That's what they needed her for. And, uh, we flew her down the last minute cause we were short on help to do it. And, um, I did the spiritual part where I well I told them how to take care of their bodies like their neck and and gave them exercise. I got down my hands and knees and did some of the exercises we do. The one I call the cat where you stretch your back and all that. But I also helped them with uh, the doctor would write on there what to to teach them. But other than that, I helped them spiritually. And one day uh, I led forty some people to the Lord individually. Let's give him a. Uh, Every day was like that. It was just an exciting, exciting time. And it's hard work, but it's so rewarding that I just can't tell you. I, I, it takes me a little longer to bounce back, but I'm still doing it. Okay, I set up 23 evangelistic campaigns for this same group. Uh, they were all divided. It was like three groups in one. And uh, two pastors went around, or evangelists, did the evangelistic campaigns. Every night, They had, each one of them had a campaign. Okay, and then... um We had to have interpreters and and transportation and all that. And then we did a vacation Bible school for 200 unchurched children. And so that was a different one that did. One of the wives was in charge of that. So there there were so many hundreds of lives touched just during that week alone. And um, it's good. And it goes on, and I'm, I'm really booked solid until the first day of July. So, if you all want to come with a group, we'd love to have you pray about how you want God to use you. You did building before. We have a beautiful church there where you came and worked so hard, and and it's it's just it's a wonderful time. I I love to do the construction too. I love the medical clinics. Those are the hardest. I mean, we anybody can get up. And, well, no, I don't say that. But the easiest part is getting up to preach. And you know what? preaching is, is, is tiring. You, you know, you spend 20 hours getting your sermon ready and what you want to say to the people and God leads you, but, but God is good. And the biggest part of the ministry, 95% of the ministry is not in the pulpit. It's out where you are working and leading people to Lord and, and allowing God to use you to touch lives. There's lives all around us that need touching. And God wants to use us. Well, last time I was here, I talked about the miracles, and we're still having them. Uh, I could just go on and on. Miracles, instant miracles. Uh, God is using his people to reach others. And we want to pray for anybody here this morning. I, I won't pray at the end. Uh, I have strained this leg getting up in that van. Now, we got stirrup things to step into now, but uh, just hopping up and down in that, that van's about that high. <laughs> And so I have strained this leg, and and I believe in God that he's going to heal me. Now, I could go for therapy and all that, but I just need an instant miracle too. So let's pray for you first, and then you can pray for me at the end. Let's just stand father I thank you that that what we're speaking today is your word in action father we just give you glory and honor for what you're doing in Mexico and the other countries of the world this is an exciting time and each one of us have been placed here for such a time as this and you want you have a destiny for each one here this morning uh, when I was five years old a